there was this bizarre park across the street from where I lived at. And I found it because one day I was talking to my mom on satellite. or look, We were both looking at the satellite images of where I lived at. And she was like, what's that? It's like a green patch to the right or what would be the east of our building. So I went out there and found out there was like a little gate to get into this park. But it had a padlock on it. I said, ah, that's too bad. I, I told my roommate about it. And he goes, oh, yeah, you can... Uh, you can lift that padlock up, but like it's often not locked. So it's like Alice in Wonderland. You go in through this like gate that's shaped like Alice in Wonderland, kind of a gate. And there's like a stone pathway. It's nice stone. It's like white marble. There's some polished marble. There's decoration. Something you'd see in like a downtown, downtown monumental area. And it's about as wide as a, as a car could drive on. And it goes all the way down. Along the river, the river takes a sharp right, and it goes along the river that way. And inside, there's all kinds of, like, clearly somebody put a lot of money and effort into this. There's little, I don't know how to describe them, things that you can walk up that are like platforms that look like they might have had a purpose at first, but there was nothing up there. And then there was planters and trees. If you went, there was lights inside of the park that sometimes were on at night and sometimes weren't. Uh, There were steps that went down along the river where there was a wooden pier with railings. And sometimes they would walk, they would have steps that went right down to the water. So you'd be standing at the height of the water. And this pier went all the way, like 70% of the length of the river. And then inside there was like two factory buildings that were abandoned to the right that were graffitied but still looked cool. And then there was like a one-room house where the security guards would be at. And then next to that was a glass, uh, like a glass house that was what looked like a waiting room to get onto boats that don't come. So Suto River doesn't have any boats. It used to have too many boats and now doesn't have any boats. But it looked like you were supposed to be able to buy a ticket and get on a boat there. And that's how you got in a line. And then... If you went down a little bit further, there was a circular courtyard that was right at the 90-degree turn of the creek. And if you went down further, it was probably like, I think in terms of kilometers in China, one or two kilometers before the end of the path would circle back. There was a loop around a tree, and you'd come back. Or if you look to the right as you got to the end of that, I don't know, road path, there was a little dirt trail that went through really tall grass and this little tiny like half an acre plot of land at the end of this park area was maybe the only like forgotten part of downtown Shanghai that was undeveloped and there was trees that grew out of it and overgrown grass and bushes and everything and there was all kinds of buzzing insects and birds and probably critters in there in fact there were wild chickens running around I don't know if you ever been jogging and been attacked by roosters but it's actually pretty frightening when there's enough of them because they got sharp claws and sharp beaks and they're not happy and they look pretty badass that was one of the first things that was surprising about going through that park and then another thing was like once I was running in there and there was three wild dogs I had seen them separately at different parts of the neighborhood before but now they're all together and there was a huge like lion of a dog, this big black dog, I found out later, it's a Tibetan mastiff, was like the king, and they were all like running together, and I was jogging, and those dogs came up kind of near me. They were really, 
completely infatuated with each other, thank God, because they would have ripped me to shreds, just that Tibetan. Coincidentally, I saw that Tibetan dog again on a chain in a corner building of my, where I lived at in my apartment complex, which would have been like the community building. <laughs> and I saw like a package delivery guy sprinting full speed to get out of that building. <laughs> and I saw that Tibetan massive take off his glove. He had already bit his hand, but he managed to pull his hand out of there. That thing, you gotta, if you've never seen or heard of these dogs, you gotta Google them. They're lion dogs. They're really lion dogs. They have manes like lions, some of them. So, I mean, that was terrifying to me. The chickens were one thing, but that was, you know, nobody was in there. And that was the thing. Even though there's all these tall buildings right on the other side of the river, which is a stone throw away, and there's 32-floor buildings looking down on you, nobody really went into this park. I think partially because it was more locked up before, and partially because there was other places you could walk alongside the river or in the other, you know, common parks. So even my relationship with the security guards in there evolved over time from if, if you were to be seen, they'd make you leave, to I'd try not to be seen or I'd keep running if they came out to talk to me, or it'd be like, I don't speak Chinese, just walking in the park, you know? And so I found if there was other people in there, it was a lot easier, but mostly people weren't in there. And in terms of a place to jog, I can't even tell you it was like such a godsend because the other parks in the neighborhood, they were loaded with people after like dinner time. That's when they walk their laps and it's a crowd. It's really a crowd. So you can't even run then. Plus, they're like brick. And that means like when I would run on brick afterwards, my knees would be throbbing. So it was, there was nowhere to run. You can't run on the streets or sidewalks. There's too much going on. It's hard enough to just walk in, in Shanghai. So, so finding this little park that I could run like laps, basically w once or twice, two times up and down that road was a, a solid run, which, you know, you get sweaty and that's a good run. Four times is a serious run. And it was cool because if you got to the end of this park and you went through that pathway, which is also kind of scary because there's so many critters in that grass, this is tall grass, like four or five feet tall. Um, you'd end up getting to this driveway. So facing the opposite direction of the park was a big, what I found out later being an architecture firm, which I think was state owned because it was so nice and in this park, right? It must've been. And if you got to that driveway and hopefully weren't seen by anybody, you could go out that driveway onto this road called Moganchan Road, which was the art district. And all around this park, was a graffitied wall. I have a music video, you can see it. It was pretty famous wall, uh, maybe the most famous in Shanghai for uh, graffiti artists. So you'd have international artists coming in every other week you'd see each panel of this wall became a different, like somebody's artwork. And that was one way, if you didn't want to walk along the road and you knew how to do this, you could go through that park and into the art district with all the galleries so it was my go-to my groundhog day in terms of dating by groundhog day i mean i would do this over and over again perfect it was go through the park behind my building which was a nice walk in a circle and then cross the street and go through the secret park and then go through that pathway onto mogan chan road and into the art district 
And that's, after you go into a couple galleries, that's like a couple hours of walking. And so it didn't cost me anything to take somebody on a date. We either, you know, have lunch or dinner. And then my apartment's right there. We can hang out there and recover. So it was the best. It was the best. Um, sometimes there'd be other people in the park. There's like a guy that would come on his little motorbike who was probably in his 60s. And he had built a basketball hoop on the back of his bike and he would park his bike. You know how you can like lift up your bike so the back wheels up. And he would shoot baskets on this like, man-made hoop. You know, not like a basketball player would, but like as an old Chinese guy who doesn't really play basketball would. Well, he'd be smoking a cigarette. And uh, there'd be a group of guys that would come in there sometimes, older dudes, and they'd have fold-out chairs on their bikes that they would take off. And they'd sit in these, like, you know, lawn chairs. And they would fly kites, so they'd be holding their kite way, way up in the air as their kite. And they'd be smoking cigarettes and they'd have thermoses of hot tea and they would just kick it. I mean, it really brought up my respect for kite flying and, and Chinese whatever tradition or history because kite flying's Chinese as far as I'm aware. So those guys would be in there sometimes. And then sometimes you'd see like Wagers, which are the northeastern Chinese that are minorities ethnically like Turkish or Middle Eastern. And they'd be in there, but they'd have like, these man-made pipes and they'd be smoking stuff. I don't know what it would be, even if they're, they'd have like a five-year-old kid with them. And sometimes I'd find needles over there and they made me really uncomfortable if you're jogging in there and they're the only ones in there. There's a lot of like, you know, undescribed animosity and I, you didn't, you didn't want to be in there if they were doing that. I remember I told the guards once that they were in there doing that stuff and they just looked at me like, yeah, well, they're Wagers. I can't do anything about it. Like, they're kind of like the untouchables, you know? It's like we don't we don't want to piss them off because there's some kind of like, well, there is actually like a war really in the in Xinjiang province. So I've I've talked about it before, but they're kind of off limits. So they'd be in there sometimes. Luckily, I didn't have any uh, interactions with them. And other than that, you just have people who would either be doing Tai Chi or walking through, but not too many people in there. And one of the times I was in there, I ran through the end and I was going through the pathway. And when I got to the other side, there was this big cement planter and a tree planted in the top of it. So this planter was like clearly trying to impress you with his height because it was 15 feet maybe up in the air. And then there was a tree planted in it. I don't know what that was all about. But, you know, I took note, I guess that's happening. And then slowly they started to, like, clear out parts of the back of the park that weren't really attached. They were kind of down the slope as if you'd come into the, if you'd come into the park to the right, there'd be all these trees and stuff, and then it would slope down, and there was kind of unused, what used to be like a dirt parking lot for buses that weren't being used. And they started clearing all that stuff out, and then construction would come in. Now, they did some construction already throughout the time I lived in Shanghai because they built like a bathroom house, which was like, what are they doing that for? This isn't even like a real park. Um, and they tore up a whole section of that really nice, those polished stones that they built this walkway out of. What I found out through one of my students was who dealt in government uh, construction was he said it wasn't that some projects inferred a kickback. 
He said, it's all of them. It's 100%. When you hire a company to do construction, you're the government, part of what you do is find out who's giving you the best deal, the best kickback. And so I think learning that from him and seeing these kind of projects that never went anywhere, you know, that were really expensive, now taught me, like, this is a part of government kickback. Government funding is is always has kickbacks as a possibility. So I wouldn't think for a second that, oh, that would never happen in America. No, especially because this guy told me it's not like 80%, 90%. It's 100%. And I saw firsthand these construction projects going on. But then there began this, like, much bigger construction project. But before I get to that, like, that little boathouse next to the one-room house where the guards were in, uh, it looked like they tried to make that come into fruition because they there was like a yellow boat that all of a sudden showed up with a glass dome. And I think I got a flyer or something from that building, but they started, or I had to search and search online, which was a lot harder than you would ever imagine to find anything about it. They were going to have these tour boats that go down to the Bund, which is on Huangpu River, the middle of Shanghai, where all the skyline is and number one tourist destination. It was going to take you down there and turn around and come back. Um, and at first, they were letting people off when they got to the bun. So I thought, man, this is like fantastic. Yet another method of transportation. And what a date, by the way. We'll do that at the end of the day. So that was the idea that you'd cross the street and get on this boat and then you could get off at the bun if you wanted to. But they stopped doing that and they started to just turn around. And these things were a disaster. Apparently it was like 100 degrees or 200 degrees inside these boats. And they were putting up like newspapers to block the sunlight at the top of these glass domes. But that only lasted like a season, and then it was gone. They didn't do it anymore. But I guess that was supposed to be why they built this bathroom house. Uh, that's the only thing that makes sense. And eventually they kept the bathroom house locked anyway. But they started to build something. They started to dig out a foundation in the back right of this park, and was becoming what I heard through, you know, the grapevine was going to be a shopping mall. And it's like, of course, of course it's going to be a shopping mall. Because any unused land in Shanghai is potentially a shopping mall. That's economic growth. If you're looking at Shanghai or any city in terms of like data and economic growth and potential, then man, you can't even compare to a shopping mall. All that airspace it's just money. It's jobs. It's salaries. It's consumer products. It's it's in, in GDP and all that. It's just you can't beat it. And Shanghai competes with itself to be number one in all of these areas. It has to be like the fastest economy and the biggest and the most robust. So it's like, why have a park? I mean, there's that constant phrase, the motto, better city, better living or better life in Shanghai. But it's not true because what it's really about is like, wouldn't it be nice if I could cross the street and get a coffee and lunch and also buy a new pair of shoes, you know? Like, I, I'm not going to lie, like, it's, a, it's bittersweet. It's like, it's like, that would be nice, you know, because then I wouldn't have to go all the way down to that place to do it. But it's like the, also the last frontier in terms of any nature at all. So that was being built and like slowly but surely this park became overrun with construction because they would use that path to, to drive these like cranes and stuff on or whatever bulldozers, even though mainly it was through the other street and it would rip up the, the grounds in there and stuff. And that whole wall that protected the park that was 
great for graffiti. You knew that was going to come down once the shopping mall was built. And I left Shanghai before it was ever finished. But when I moved back to Shenzhen and saw people taking pictures and sending them to me of this mall, turned out that this mall was built, like each floor that went up kind of narrowed. So there was like step levels. And for each step level at each corner of the shopping mall was one of those 14 or 15 foot planters with a tree in it. So when you look at this building, it's like covered in these trees. And those planters were for those trees. And anyway, I'm really grateful for that park. That is what like allowed me to keep running. It gave me like some kind of calmness because at night I could sit on that little pier by myself with no people around, listening to the water lapping and the, the lights coming in and coming out. And it was kind of like having my own yard. So, so super bizarre park. I don't know what it's called. Um, but now I don't know if it's even there because now there's a giant tree mall there. So when you go to Mulganshan Road ever, just know that it used to be the graffiti mecca in China, at least in Shanghai, and that there was a great, great park there.